I prefer really not to not to speak. If I speak, I am in in big trouble. In big trouble, and I don't want to be in big trouble. So, so you know, let's let's not take a piss here. I, I certainly wasn't. Well, I think you were, but there you are. I wasn't. Hey, Adrian! Like Rocky. Only with uh, 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 with sex masochism, then it is uh, allowed. Hello and welcome back to the Three Points Podcast. We're all having a good laugh, but I'm joined by Jim McElhone in the studio. Jim, how are you doing? I'm very well, very well. How are you, mate? Good, yeah, I'm very well. We've been on a little giggle before this, but you know, it's like the second, third take, isn't it? But yeah. yeah, but it's all going to be all right. It's Ollie fine, Barton though. joins us from London. Ollie, how are you? I'm good. Just found out Ricky Gervais' cat's died, so I'm a bit sad about that, but... We're all a bit sad about that, but we'll move on quickly uh, because it was a Manchester derby at the weekend, um, which obviously is highly relevant for all three of us, but in particular you two. Ollie, I'm going to come to you first. What were your expectations going into the game and how did you feel coming out of it? It was the first time I expected us to win going into a derby, just purely because of the form we were going into it with. Obviously City, not really got anything to fight for in the league anymore. Bruno Fernandes lift. Um, but obviously I was wary of the fact that there's been plenty of false storms like this for United where we've gone into something gone into the derby in good form and then in handed the fucking battering by them. But no, um yeah, I was expecting us to get a result out of it when we went into it and I think the game went as I think most people expected it would with United largely playing on the counter, containing City and I think just nowadays when you play City you can just you you know you're going to get given a couple of chances from a defensive error. So as long as you limit any of your own errors, you, you're going to have a good chance of winning a game against them. Very good, Jim. Same question to you. Yeah, um, I think I agree with what Ollie said at the end there. Um, teams sort of they know they're definitely going to get a couple of chances, so teams are comfortable with like City having a lot of possession, um, and obviously we're just not being as cutting edge this season. Um, I think the game just characterised our defensive issues as well this year. Um, we saw the port come back and get injured pretty rapidly after he came back. And, you know, um, Fernandinho, just as good as he's been in that centre-back role for us, I feel like there's too many flaws and holes in that defence to, uh, yeah, to carry on and get consistent result, good results do you know what I have actually pulled a stat that I was going to throw at you a bit later on but I'm going to throw it at you now seeing as yep. you've mentioned the holes in the defence of all of the Premier League teams there are only two for whom their top tackler so the player who's made the most tackles is yep. a centre back one of them is Burnley the one's City for the vast majority of teams for United for example it's one Bissaka at right back which and it's mad his stat because he's made 22% of all of the tackles that United have made this season which is fucking unreal but for the majority of squads it's it's a centre midfielder for Liverpool it's Jordan Henderson really interestingly Norwich Emi Buendia goes to show how high they press and the benefits that come out of that um, but for a lot of teams as I say it's a centre midfielder or it's your full backs yeah, for City it's Fernandinho that is a massive problem to me. Yeah. If if your if your centre back is essentially the most exposed player on the pitch, that's a massive problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think he has a lot of is more to do with like the amount of covering he has to do as well. Um, you got players like yeah, you know, we call Otamendi the general. 
and after watching the United game, like, do you? Do you? What do you call him the general? Um, yeah, well, I used to to his face. <laughs> yeah, but you know, because we're mates. But um, nah, like obviously <laughs> that name's just looking ridiculous now, isn't it? When the um, he just looked like probably the most exposed player on the pitch. I saw someone say this on Twitter after the game that if Otamendi had the face and the facial expressions of Phil Jones, he'd be equally taken the piss out of in football blogs and media as no. Phil Jones is. No. Right. I mean, it was I mean, just could... horrendous watching him at the weekends. Time and time again, you just felt like we were going to either draw a penalty, draw a free kick for him, get him behind him. And even at the end when Daniel James just looked exhausted, so easy for him to get past him, just lunging in. I think he flourishes in like a in a stable team, like because he's also got like Zinchenko uh, on the left side of him, um, and Cancelo. He's not got loads of game time. Um, I feel like he's just not comfortable and standing up to that amount of exposure at the back. But um, yeah, I think that was shown. I think to be honest, at the end of this season. I prefer to see him gone than Stones. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I, I mean, if I was you, I wouldn't mind seeing both of them going. I think. Yeah. I th- I think it was a game that all of the things that you could look at in the City squad, all of the underlying problems and the the holes in the squad that need fixing, I think we're all exposed in one football match, and it's not often that you see that. But I thought every hole that's in that squad was exposed in that one game. I thought the full backs were shit. I thought the centre backs were shit. Um, I thought the centre mids didn't do enough to protect the centre backs. Um, you've got the sort of centre forward. Uh, I mean, listen, it's not an issue because Aguero's one of the top scorers in the league, but a, a strange conundrum where he'll be going at the end of next season. Do you sort of spend massive money replacing him or do you put your faith in Jesus? The wingers just aren't. Mares is on okay form, but Sterling's just on dreadful yeah. form at the moment. De Bruyne constantly injured. I thought all those problems were shown in that one football match. Yeah, I mean, I've probably said this a few times this season, but like, I think it obviously it starts with company going and Laporte, you know, we were relying on Laporte to be that uh, replacement, of like leadership at the back. But then he gets a, you know, a long term injury. And um, yeah, and I think uh, we've taken, like, Fernandinho's had to put, go back into the centre back role. So, um, that is like sort of cover that we used to have in the midfield just in front of the defence is gone so I don't think Rodri has the same intensity but I think you know that could come with time but it was just never going to come straight away so yeah, yeah. problems that have been like are just you know transparent throughout the season like other teams have just easily you know jumped on that and that's why we've lost eight games I think it is now yeah, eight games, more than Arsenal, which is yeah. fucking nuts, isn't it, when you think about it, right? Let's not slate City too much, because I do, I want to talk about United and how good they were. Ollie, I'll come to you first, seeing as uh, your namesake, I suppose, did uh, a number on Pep at the weekend. Is he is he turning things around? Is it, you know, what, what what's the what's the rest of the season looking like for United? I can tell from the way you said that question that you really don't think he's turning things around that majorly. But Insecure. No, I think he definitely is because there's been whole, all this chat about getting a director of football and 
I feel part part of what I think his career at United's been in the last twelve months, so sure, is almost playing the dual role of being a coach and a director of football. So he's completely overhauled the transfer strategy at least. And I think that was most noticeable yesterday when Harry Maguire not yesterday, Sunday. Harry Maguire and Fernandez's performance. And he spoke of getting three more players of that quality in. And I think after those three players have been signed, I think that's when we can really judge whether Solskjaer has a long-term future as the coach of Manchester United or not. I mean, let's say we're not. I mean, it's been well reported that we're obviously interested in Sancho and Grealish. But say you had an upgrade on Matic in there, an upgrade on Agallo in there, and we still don't compete with City or Liverpool at that point, then obviously you'd have to be thinking of getting a Pochettino type manager in. But I think you can't deny the last 10 games when we've had Bruno Fernandes playing, we've only conceded two goals, 13 different goal scorers have been on the score sheet. And yeah, the two goals we've conceded have just come from two goalkeeping errors as well. So it's been a really strong 10 games. So it'd be where we would be if we'd signed Fernandes in the summer would be very, very interesting. I don't think we'd obviously be anywhere near Liverpool I think we'd comfortably be ahead of Chelsea and Leicester at this point. Yeah, I don't do you know what? I don't think that's unfair and I think I I think he is turning a bit of a corner. I think the thing that Solskjaer has absolutely nailed this season in particular is he's been fantastic at those one-off games when he needs to pull a result out of nowhere. You know, it feels like once every 3 months or so he's absolutely on the brink of his job. And it feels like he's one defeat away from losing his job. I, I felt that before Christmas when um, when Tottenham went there and I just thought if Mourinho goes and beats him at Old Trafford, what that would signify would just be an absolute nightmare for Solskjaer and he managed to get the result. You were in shit form going into the game at the Etihad. He managed to get the result. Even the game against City in the Cup where he got battered at Old Trafford and then he went and put in a decent performance at the Etihad. Um, two pretty good performances this season, in particular the game at Old Trafford against Liverpool. He's been really good. At, I, I think, I think there really is something to be said about his tactical awareness and his opposition analysis going into these games. He knows exactly what he wants to be doing, um, and I think that's where you can perhaps point at Pep, and I think you can point at Klopp as well, especially in the game at Old Trafford, and say you've got to switch things up a little bit. Like I remember earlier in the season before the game at Old Trafford, I was screaming for Klopp to play Rigi left wing. Because what does Aaron Wambasaka want? He wants a winger. He wants someone who's going to play with the ball on the ground who he can go and defend against. So go and do something mad and go and put a number nine against him and have someone just playing long balls to that number nine. And and you you just go and take that player and his strengths completely out of the game and out of the picture. Um, but I, I, I do. I think Solskjaer's turning a bit of a corner. And I think something that, Manchester United have always been good at is riding a bit of a wave of momentum even in the post-Ferguson era there have been periods where United have like in Van Hal's first season you played shite football in the running but you managed to string together results that got you into uh, that top four at the end of that season and, and you can see something similar happening here No definitely but I do think there's some longer term indications from this season but he's doing something a bit more effective than Van Gaal did, or definitely more than Mourinho did. Like, clearly, the work that's going on in the training ground, you've seen the results of... Juan Bissaka I know you've got doubts over him, but his attacking play is gradually improving. He looked a lot better against City when he got forward, actually. There's a few times where he broke he through Pasinchenko. So it's clear that that's coming together. 
I mean, in an ideal situation with someone like Juan Bissaka, he would have moved from Palace to a team like Everton or Wolves, where he would have become a bit better going forward, and then you'd sign him. But obviously, we've saved a lot of money by signing him earlier. And then, obviously, we spoke Pardon. about this as well. Fred is a huge, different player to what he was last season at United. He wins the ball back more than any other centre midfielder in a top six club. His ball progression's a lot better. He's making runs up the wing through the channels, getting forward, supporting Fernandez. He was a completely different player. And obviously, even just in the last few months, we've seen Matic, his, the improvements he's made at 32 years old. He looks like the Matic who was in his first season at Chelsea. There's clearly work being done on Carrington training ground where individual players are improving and there's some indications of like patterns of play and actual principles of play in the last few games I've seen. So Jim, with all this in mind, what are your thoughts around the race for Europe and where you think United will finish? And I mean, obviously this is all dependent on the whole City thing and, and Cass, but when you look at United, Spurs, Wolves, Sheffield United, Chelsea, Leicester, what are your thoughts around all of that? Um, I think I'd say the three teams at the moment that I think could be challenging for that top four space. Chelsea, obviously, um, United, and I think Wolves as well. Um, but there, I think we've, I think if I'm gonna go for two. It is just Chelsea and United. Um, I think United's form at the moment. I think this season it's definitely showing that like Solskjaer's turned the corner. We'll have to see, you know, if he's still here next season or if he carries on this form, but. I think uh, yeah, there'll be a big threat till the end of the season. Um, how many points are behind Chelsea now? Like five, three? Is it three points? Yeah, I think it's three points behind Chelsea and five behind Leicester. But we've got Leicester away on last game of the season. Wow, I think Chelsea have Wolves at home last game of the season. So if, wow. if it goes down to the wire, I think you've got to fancy the two bigger clubs to outdo to get to sneak out of Leicester. And with Wolves, I'm not quite sure myself just because. Depending on how their Europa League campaign goes now, that could become quite a big distressing force for them. Yeah. So they've still not got the squad size of even United who are in the competition still to I think really deal on two fronts to compete there. I think um, that like maybe Chelsea sort of getting knocked out by Bayern. Yeah, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. jump too far ahead. They might have an amazing comeback, but I think if they get knocked out of the Champions League, I think all the focus just switches, doesn't it, onto the Premier League getting that Champions League spot I think it looks they've, they've actually you know had some consistent results in the Premier League and I think it might still go that way I think this weekend's a big indicator because both United and Chelsea got huge results on Sunday so they need to show some consistency I think Chelsea got Villa haven't they and they're the kind of games where they've just stupidly lost points this season so if they can go in and score a few goals like we did against Everton and I do think they're going to quite easily secure top four. So it would just come down to United, Leicester. Um, and yeah, I think it'll go to the wire, to be honest. It'll be a last day of the season job. And I don't, I mean, Leicester away, it's not ideal if they're, if it's a direct uh, winner takes all match. Uh, it could go either way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting. I think Everton have clearly, having been in really good form, I don't think they've won in their last three. So they're struggling at the moment, they have. Um, massive massive pressure on their next game um because if city were to lose one of their two next games then of course uh liverpool could win the last ever trophy at goodison park wouldn't that just be a thing wouldn't that be the most ever thing ever but we'll see we can only dream what about um 
Arsenal there, I think. As oh, well. shite. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think Arsenal are like low key. They have been very consistent since Arteta. Um, I think that'd be a really tough game for you. Yeah, um, it'll be a different game from the last, you know, few couple of years. We've sort of turned them over a lot of times, but um, yeah, who knows? I think, I mean, if anyone knows City's weaknesses, it's probably gonna be him, isn't it? It probably is. Probably is. Um, the man with the Lego head. Um, and I mean, who who knows what type of team we'll put out? I think we probably should have put, you know, a bit of a stronger team out against uh, United and rested more against Arsenal, but um, yeah. Right, well, let's let's move on to our final piece, and 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 this is going to be something new that we're going to introduce every week as part of the podcast. Um, well, I say every week. We've not been great at releasing the podcast weekly, but certainly every episode. Um, so I'm going to lads ask the lads for their top three of a certain thing, and this week we're going to go for football matches or rivalries that you'd love to attend at some point in your lifetime. A book, your three bucket lists, Ollie. Give me your third choice. My third choice is I've been taking a bit of creative liberty here. Um, I've gone for Stockport County <laughs> versus Manchester City <laughs> in the event that this would be in a playoff, championship playoff semi-final. So this means I would have seen City get relegated from the Premier League, which would be an all-time dream. And then Stockport County would have gone up the leagues and the family facing off against each other. Ollie's really thought about this one, He's hasn't really he? Thought about that. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's, it's always a bit like it's a bit deep. If it's that's dark. your third choice, I'm dreading I, I for the detail on your first choice. Pick the same picks, and I didn't want to have the same <laughs> ones as you, so I've uh, I have had a good think about it. God, you're so different. Go on, Jim. What's your third choice? My third choice. Well, I, I was sort of thinking this season, so I was sort of thinking what game would be a really good one. I was going to go for the De Classica. Um, Bayern versus Dortmund this year. I think they're playing on the 4th of April. Um, I think Dortmund got beat 4-0 in the last one. Like, I know it's not, you know, it's not the most bitter rivalry, but I think this season they are two of the most exciting teams in Europe and I'll definitely be watching it. And they're the only team who must have ever officially announced a policy of not selling players to another club as well. So there is definitely something there. There's definitely a bitterness within Dortmund yeah. towards Bayern from all the years of which they've just taken away the best players in the peak years. Yeah. Well, like you, yours. Well, uh, let me guess. Brighton Palace? Uh, no, and it's and it's not going to be um, uh, Bournemouth-Norwich either. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Which I know annoys Ollie. Um I am gonna say it's between two. It's between two classicos, so it's either the L or the Super. Yep. Um, a, a slight partridge there from me, but we'll, we'll carry on. Um, I'm gonna say Super Classico is my third choice, just because it'd be fucking nuts. You'd, and you'd you might, die, and I'd probably die. Yeah. I thought you're going there soon, aren't you? Yes, I am going to uh, going to Argentina later on in the year. Um, but we will come back to our sort of travel recommendations podcast. We have got that on hold for the moment, but we will well, come back to that. If you want, get yourself a ticket for it and charge it to the uh, podcast banking account. <laughs> run run by our friend Jack Adshead. Sponsored by Rothschild. Ollie, your second choice. <laughs> yeah, second choice. So for this one, um, in the same spirit as the last, I've taken a bit creative liberty again. I've gone for India versus Pakistan. 
So <laughs> this is after I was thinking about it. And do you remember the Cricket World Cup last summer? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, yes. <laughs> the India Pakistan game at Old Trafford. You had Indians and Pakistanis arriving on horseback, waving flags. So I just I think the same the same kind of mental atmosphere as that in football would I think would be pretty good. So you're just bang into sort of anything that involves a question. I don't know if they've played each other before football. though, but if it is a game I'd like to see it. You should go and watch the polo, Ollie. Jim, on to you, mate. Bit boring. I've I, I my second choice was the super classico. Um I wanna get into the South American football game simply. And I think that's the one I'd choose first. Fair. I'd keep a low profile and uh won't be getting in, into any trouble over there because it looks a bit bit nasty, doesn't it? It does look a bit nasty. Uh, I think I looked at their league this year and I think there's one point between the two. Boca Juniors are top. They've just won. They've won the league? They've just oh, won bloody the hell, league. Tevez, wasn't it? Bloody hell. Te- bloody, bloody hell. hell. Someone's been on Twitter. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll go on to my second choice. El Clasico. Keep it simple. It is, uh, it's a classic. Uh, Ollie, first choice. Yeah, so I thought, seeing as well, it's uh, Cheltenham week, I thought <laughs> I'd go for, we didn't specifically say it had to be a football derby, so I went for the Kentucky derby, because um, I'd want to go to Cheltenham, um, and I reckon <laughs> the American version's probably just Cheltenham on steroids, so I've gone for that. <laughs> Let's just, uh, uh, some sort of strange equestrian theme going on here for Ollie, loves horseback. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Jim, any... Anything to add to that? It's not very obscure, like uh, Ollie Barton's suggestions today, but El Clasico, mate. El Clasico. Simple. Simple. And it's a classic. It's a classic, mate. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say Liverpool against Manchester United just because... Uh, um, no, just for old time's sake, I suppose. Because it's a belter, and, we'll, and we beat them nowadays, which is nice. That makes a nice change from the last 10 years. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are going to have to go because Ollie's got a lot of pasta to make tonight, um, which is going to take him a while with some fancy sauce. What's it got in it? Fennel seeds, Ollie. Yeah, I got some bit of sausage. I'm going to take them out of the skins, flatten the meat, put some fennel seeds onto it, fry it with some garlic and some oil, <laughs> and then I'm going to introduce some cream, some wine, some passata into the equation. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun night. Thank you very much for listening. I prefer really not to not to speak. If I speak, I am in in big trouble, in big trouble, and I don't want to be in big trouble. So, so you know, let's let's not take the piss here. I, I certainly wasn't. Well, I think you were, but you are. I wasn't. Adrian, like Rocky. Only with uh, 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 with sex, masochism. Then it is uh, allowed.